Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming up on the Hockey News pregame show, the New York Rangers keep on winning. Are they now a Stanley Cup threat? The Winnipeg Jets are asking for more support. Should fans worry about relocation? And joining us from Carolina, we got Hurricane site editor Ryan Henkel on the Red Hot Canes. I'm Ryan Kennedy. And I'm Michael Trikos, and this is the Hockey News pregame show, brought to you by BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com. Welcome to the Hockey News pregame show. Michael Trikos with Ryan Kennedy as always. And Ryan, there's a lot of teams heating up as we inch closer to this March 8th trade trade deadline. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Leafs have been winning games. The Oilers are still kind of winning games. The Hurricanes are still winning games. Obviously, the Panthers are red hot right now. Of those, though, I'm going to mention the New York Rangers, who are, dare I say, might be in a short list of my Stanley Cup favorites right now. How are you feeling about the New York Rangers right now? It feels like it's coming together in a, a, in a different way. I mean, New York's been good all season long, but I really feel that Stadium Series game mm. against the Islanders was huge for them. It was a comeback win, yeah. uh, which is always big. The, you know, the addition of Matt Rempe, who we'll talk about in a second. Folk hero. The folk hero, Matt Rempe. Uh, but it really does feel like the Rangers are putting it all together right now in a tough division, and uh, they stopped the Devils the other night. And this is a New Jersey team that really needed that win. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the Rangers as a collective, you look at all the high-end talent they have, whether it's Panarin or Zibanejad or Kreider, Adam Fox on the back end. You know, and obviously, you know we've talked about this before, this might not be a Vesna year for Igor Shosturkin, but he only has to be like 90% of his usual self to still be an excellent starter. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's a huge luxury the Rangers have between him and Jonathan Quick that they're getting the goaltending they need and the rest of the team is doing their job in front of them. Here's the thing I'm going to mention. With Shosturkin and Quick, you've got a tandem now where Shosturkin is going to go into the playoffs probably more rested than he's ever been. Yeah. So as long as he flips the switch, and it looks like he's playing his best hockey probably Mm -hmm. that he's ever played right now, you know, come playoff time, we could get a guy who's just ready to, you know, be in the net every single game. Yeah, and I do wonder too, you know, with Jonathan Quick, with all the Stanley Cup experience he has, Mm -hmm. as a sort of mentor slash battery mate, how valuable he'll be for Shesterkin when you get to the postseason. And, you know, if they get in a tough spot, he can say, hey, look, bud, I've been there. Yeah. Here's how I went. Here's how I got through it. Don't worry about it. You have the talent, things like that. So I, I think that, you know, the Blake Wheeler injury was tough, mm-hmm. but the concept behind bringing in a veteran like that on such a minimal salary was a very good one. And I, see, I think we're seeing the ramifications where you have a really good squad that just seems to get it now. Yep. Yeah. 
So you, you mentioned Matt Rempe, and he's been kind of a breath of fresh air for this team. Um, something like 6'8", before he even steps on skates. So when he's on skates, this guy's just humongous. And yeah. Um, gets in a fight, I think, in his first shift in the outdoor game. That's right. Since then, he's made news for this just a massive hit on uh, Nathan Bastian where, you know, was it dirty or was it a case of a really tall guy mm. um, catching a guy who's was kind of leaning over? How did you view the hit? Because we still don't know exactly what the ramifications of this is going to be. Yeah. To me, initially, it was like, ooh, that's a bad one. Yeah. Uh, but... Again, with the benefit of instant replay and slow-mo and stuff like that, you know, Rempe's arm appeared to be down. You know, it, like it appeared that, you know, his idea was a clean hit. Like you didn't see the arm shoot up like we do on some bad elbows from other players. So, you know, I, I'm sort of giving him the benefit of the doubt. It's almost like that old like Zdeno Chara rule. Like yeah. every Zdeno Chara hit is a high hit because he was so big, but it doesn't mean it was an illegal or dirty hit. This one, to me, I, I, I could see it going both ways. Uh, I, I will add, you know, that first fight was against Matt Martin, one of the most, like, well-respected fighters in the game today and a veteran at that. Uh, so pretty good for your first NHL tilt. Um, but Thank it you. does feel like the Rangers, with, with Rempe and Adam Edstrom, who's six foot seven, they had this new look you know, uh, line that really gives them so much energy and those guys just, like, cause chaos. It feels like as much as the stars drive the bus, it's those secondary guys that really make things hum when you get to the postseason. Yeah, and maybe we'll see more of kind of that gritty kind of game coming out of uh, Alexi Lafreniere because we saw that at the World Juniors, and yeah. that was sort of his kind of calling card is, like, he's not just a scorer. This is a guy that likes to finish body checks. Yeah. And if you got a guy like Rempe, I always say it like, makes everyone kind of, like, two inches taller right. or whatever. And, you know, the Rangers, they have this love affair with guys who can drop the gloves, like mm. going way back to, you know, Ty Domi, Donald Brashear. Uh, we were kind of coming up with the names, but it seems like, Every kind of iteration of the Rangers has yeah. a guy that likes to play it, kind of the style. Colt Nor, Brandon Prust, even Sean Avery was a fan favorite. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's move on from the Rangers. Let's talk about the LA Kings, where, you know, they make a change right at the All-Star break. Uh, I remember talking to Cam Talbot, and he was like, hey, we got full support of Todd McClellan. Day later, <laughs> Todd McClellan's out. Yeah. Jim Hiller's in. And since then, the Kings have basically, you know, running the table, 5-2-0 and uh, under Hiller. Um, interesting thing, uh, this was in our, uh, an Austin Stanovich story on our uh, team site. Hiller's implemented a point system specifically for Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's been sort of in the doghouse uh, with McClellan all year, mm. where, you know, forget about focusing on the primary points like goals and assists. He's saying that, you know, if you deliver a hit, if you block a shot, if you draw a penalty, those count under the new point system. And, you know, this has been a motivating factor for Dubois. So what do you make of Hiller's kind of input here and um, just how the team has played under him? Yeah, I love that. That's, like, really creative. And if you look at how the Kings are constructed, you know, You've got Andre Kopitar, he's a legend. You know, mm. Philippe Deneau, obviously amazing shutdown guy. Quentin Byfield, this has been his breakout season for the Kings. He had that incredible goal the oh, other man. night. Walked around Wawrenski. Yeah, and I mean, he's been great. Like, Byfield's been great all year round. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, great there. They got Adrian Kempe, you know, they got, they got Kevin Viala. 
So for Pierre-Luc Dubois, when they acquired him, yes, expectations were high because he was such a high pick in the NHL draft, and we've seen pretty good upside from him as a two-way player. But for me, it's like this is a, this is a team built for the playoffs. Now, they still got to make it, yeah. right? But this is a team where you say, down the middle, we are so flush with talent. And if Pierre-Luc Dubois has to be a third liner, so be it, yeah. right? Like, if he's lifting the Stanley Cup over his head, I guarantee he does not care how many minutes he's getting on the power play. He shouldn't. Exactly. So I think the Kings are in a good spot right now. It feels like Cam Talbot has, you know, sort of re-energized. He had a bit of a lull there. felt like maybe they were overplaying him. I think, you know, David Riddich being the backup now has been more successful, especially of late, than Phoenix Copley was earlier in the year. So now it's a matter of just getting past that finish line because even if the Kings are a wild card team in the West, I would not want to face them in the first round. No, I, I'm fearing the Kings, and, and I'm with you. I think they are going to be a wild card team. Right now, I think they're sitting as the first wild card team, mm. but they're not going to catch, I don't think, Edmonton, certainly not going to catch Vegas or Vancouver. Mm. But being in a wild card spot, it's not that bad. Maybe you're going to have to face Colorado or Dallas yeah. um, if you end up as the number two or one seed. Uh, maybe you face a Vancouver, but you know every tough every matchup is going to be tough. I think this year in the in the first round. Yeah, I agree. And so if you're the Kings, you've won a Stanley Cup as a low seed before, right? <laughs> and true <you've>, enough. <laughs> and you know Kopitar and Dowdy, they were there. Yeah. So again, it's like I was saying about Quick and Rangers. You know, like with. With Kopitar and Dowdy, they can be like, boys, I know we're the underdog, <laughs> but uh, I've got the ring here that says it doesn't matter if we have home ice advantage. Uh, we can just grind and pound teams in the playoffs, and they have the skill as well. So, yeah, I, I think L.A., it feels like it, it's unfortunate because Todd McClellan was a good coach, but it feels like that was the wake-up call they needed. Yeah, no, no more trouble in Alala land. Uh, Winnipeg Jets co-owner Mark Chipman gave an interview recently saying the Jets, they got to they gotta sell more tickets, um, especially season tickets. Yeah. And the thing is, Winnipeg's been really good this year. It feels like things are kind of going in the right direction, but it is a smaller market. You know, it doesn't have the same corporate base as a Toronto or, uh, you know, even like New York, L.A., places like that. There is that specter of relocation being put out there, the same week, you have NBA Houston Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta saying talks with the NHL have intensified about a team in Houston. Now, that could be an expansion team. It could be a relocation uh, because we have to think. We know Utah's interested. We know Atlanta's interested. Yep. What do you make of all this here? Does, does one plus one equal two? Or is this just kind of a coincidence that we have these two cities coming up in the news at the same time. You know, you can connect the dots all you want, and I've done it too, but the Winnipeg Jets are not leaving Winnipeg. I don't see this as a reality anyway. Mm. I see this as an owner who's frustrated when you're in one of the smallest buildings in the NHL, and I think Mullet Arena is the only arena that is smaller than where the Jets play, mm -hmm. and you're only getting 13,000 in a rink that fills maybe 17 or 18,000. It's like, no, it's like 15.5. Is five. it 15.5? Yeah, yeah. And he, there's a frustration level because, yeah. let's face it, the Jets went all in last summer. They got Hellebuck to come back. They got Shifley on an extension. And this is a good team. Oh, yeah. For most of the season, this has been a, you know, top two, top three team in the Central Division. It's a playoff team, I think, oh, yeah. with Connor Hellebuck back there. 
You could even make the argument that this is a Stanley Cup contender, mm-hmm. um, at least a dark horse contender. Yep. And his quote to the effect of, you know, we cannot continue to go on like this, I think that's pointed square at the fan, saying, you know, we did our part. Mm. Now it's your time to come out. And if you don't come out, well, knock, knock, knock. There's other teams or other cities that could, would love to have a franchise. Again, I don't think they're moving, mm-hmm. but I think that was the sort of the veiled threat. Mm. And it is interesting because, you know, Chipman admitted that, you know, the Jets as an organization off the ice could do better just in terms of the service industry, you know, season ticket packages and, uh, you know, how promotions are handled uh, with season ticket holders and things like that. And it is important to remember that, you know, it is still a gate-driven NHL, you know, like you do have the TV deals, but it's not the same as if you were like NFL football, for example. And if you don't have that, you know, corporate base where you're going to be selling suites, you really have to go out after Joe Fan Mm -hmm. and Joe Fan. Yeah, and And it it feels like those flex packages are more important now than ever. And I'm not in Winnipeg, but talking to, you know, Jacob Stoller, who's based in Winnipeg, one of our THN contributors, mm-hmm. as well as our site editor, Carter Brooks, he mentioned that, you know, again, to what you just said with the service part of it, you know, the Jets don't do themselves favors in terms of bringing in fans or ma- making fans feel like, you know, they're getting a deal mm. or, you know, that, that the franchise cares about them. It's very much a small town, yeah. and you don't get that sort of small town feel to it. Mm, interesting, so. interesting. Now, of course, you know, when we talk about relocation, Arizona always comes up. Yeah. Um, let's not for a second team, but... <laughs> not for a second team. No, exactly. Uh, we're doubling down. Yeah. Let's make it work. Between Winnipeg and Arizona, it still feels like if there was a relocation, it's probably going to be Arizona. And, I, and, I, and again, I, I, I don't think that's going to happen either. Uh-huh. Like, I, I, I just think the NHL, you know, in a good way, is stubborn enough where they're tired of just moving teams from sure. city to city. They want to make it happen. And I don't know if you saw the game where Matthews and Matthew Nyes returned to Arizona mm. this week. That's why you keep a team in a non-traditional market is right. because you don't know where the next Austin Matthews is going to come from mm. or a Matthew Nyes. And, you know, say what you will about the fan base in uh, Arizona and where the Coyotes are playing and the issues with their rink. But, you know, you don't get an Austin Matthews unless you have a Coyotes team there. Yeah. So I think the NHL is stubborn enough where they want to make it work there. And they're, again, I don't think a, a team like Winnipeg is going to lose a team for the second time. Uh-huh. I guess... Anything could happen, but, you know, like, what do you make of the Winnipeg Jets and even their ownership struggle? Like, this is not an owner that, you know, is looking at the bottom line, I don't think, and saying, okay, well, I need to make money on the Jets now. Yeah, and I think that's an important thing is, I mean, all owners look at the bottom line. True. Uh, That's how you get rich in the first place. And that team has... You know, for they what they paid for the Jets in, t- in terms of what it's worth now. It's, yeah, it's like tenfold. Whew. Yeah, you were saying it was like $120 million they bought S- it for? Something like 120 and that team's probably like a billion-dollar franchise if sure. you put it anywhere else. Sure. And, you know, the important thing to remember is, you know, Mark Chipman is sort of the face of the ownership group, but David Thompson is also part of the ownership group, and he's literally the richest man in Canada. He's literally a baron because <laughs> uh, he comes from British-Canadian uh, background. How do you become a baron? <laughs> You know what? I wish I knew. I would put my name in there, but I just don't know if it's going to happen. 
uh, think you have I, to do something special. I probably don't own enough land to be a baron, to be oh, honest with there you. you go. But maybe a robber baron. Oh man, I wish. Um, I know where we're going with this. I don't either, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> maybe they should be the Winnipeg Barons. Uh, no, the Jets is the best name. But in terms of actual, you know, like capital and backing, like Winnipeg's solid. Like. Yeah. And, and no owners like to lose money. These are all competitive people. It, like part of it is investing in the community and sort of being a steward of your city. But the other part is you want to win. Yep. You want to win on the ice, but you also don't want to lose off the ice. And you don't want to lose at the gate. So, you know, whether it's Winnipeg or Arizona or Toronto or New York, like they want full buildings. They want happy fans buying beers and, you know, those big chains. Uh, at Waving the, white towels. Yeah, white towels or foam fingers or whatever it is. You know, mm-hmm. they want to make money because that means it's a successful business. And that's what these people are used to. That's how, that's how they got rich in the first place. What, what do you think the reaction is going to be from Winnipeg fans after hearing their owners say basically like in, you know, read between the lines. Mm. If the fans don't start coming out, we might lose the franchise. Do you think this is going to spur more fans to come out? Could we see now sell it after sell it? Or are they going to go the other way and say, you know what, Minnesota's not that far of a drive. Maybe I'm going to go there. Yeah, it's really tough because, as you mentioned, the Jets have been one of the the better teams in the league this year. So if you're a fan, like you want to get out, you want to see that stretch drive, you want playoff tickets Mm -hmm. because the atmosphere is going to be incredible. And you know what? I, I think the NHL as a whole wants Winnipeg because those Canadian markets, sure they might not have the same you know, TV range as some American markets, right. but you know that in terms of national broadcasts, once it gets to the playoffs, it's huge for the NHL to have more Canadian teams in it at that point because you know you're getting all the diehards, but then you're getting all the casual fans as well. Looking at the West this year, Vancouver, Edmonton, Winnipeg, all basically guaranteed at this point. Yep. That's going to be awesome for the NHL's ratings, just in the West alone. Yep. Not even counting you know, Toronto and what happens in the East. But I think that's going to be very interesting. So it does feel like Houston might be one of those sort of stocking horses where Utah and Atlanta feel like they... I don't know. It shifts, right? Well, Sometimes what, what they does feel the ahead. NHL want? Do they want relocation or do they just want expansion? I think expansion is what they want. I think 100% that's what they and want. And I guess you want more cities than spots because then you've got that competition. Yeah. yeah. You know, average fan probably says, do we need 33 or 34 teams? Like, when is enough enough? But I think if you're the NHL, you would rather put new teams in Houston or Kansas City or Atlanta or wherever it's being rumored versus, all right, Gary Bettman does not want to pack up the boxes and take a team out there and admit that, you know, it didn't work. Yeah. And if you're the NHLPA, that's 50 new jobs for players in the NHL if you go expansion for two teams. So everybody's happy there. We're pleased to be joined by Carolina Hurricanes site editor Ryan Henkel. And Ryan, these red-hot hurricanes are coming up uh, looking like the team that I guess a lot of us projected they would be in the preseason. Uh, what's been the kind of uh, new about this team that we're, they're just looking like you know, a legit Stanley Cup contender these days? 
And it's a kind of a question we've asked Rod Brendamore a few different times, and he'll tell you the team's playing pretty similar, but I think one of the biggest things is they're getting saves now. They were not getting at the beginning of the season. I mean, the team save percentage was below 900 for a while there, especially at the start. Antti Ranta got sent down to Chicago with the Wolves in the AHL for a while. And, you know, that's kind of, I think, a biggest thing. If you're not getting saves, guys are scripting the tight and things are going well. But now things have been going really well, especially Pyotr Kochekov has been absolutely outstanding for them in net. I think that's really helping them settle in and be the team that many expected them to be. Yeah. And speaking of Kochekov, you know, as statistically, and, and especially with, you know, Freddie Anderson being on the shelf as he has been, Kachetkov's had to really carry the mail. He and Spencer Martin actually have, like, the best stats uh, and you know, of Carolina's goalies. So going into the playoffs, and I know we still have some time, but is it a concern that those have been their best goalies, or is this a good thing? I've always thought that, you know, if, if Carolina was going to win a cup, Kachetkov was probably going to be the guy, mm. even though Anderson and Ronta were the veterans. But how do you see the goaltending situation shaping up long-term, assuming that Anderson, you know, can make his full recovery back into the crease? I think it might be similar to kind of how Carolina went last year. I think the start of that first round against the Islanders, Auntie Ranta had the net because Anderson wasn't fully 100%. And then after Ranta lost, you know, two games, that game six, Freddie came back in, took the net, and ran with it. I think we'd see a similar thing where I think Kachikov has earned the right to be the starter. Granted, if he plays a similar way throughout the rest of the season, I think he's earned the right to be that game one playoff starter. And if, you know, maybe two games go by and things are a little shaky for him. I could see, you know, like you said, if Freddie Anderson does come back, I could see Freddie going back in. Maybe a la kind of like the Capitals with Phil Grubauer and Braden Holpe too, kind of in 2018 as well. Yeah, a lot of ifs around Freddie Anderson. I know he spoke to uh, you guys uh, the other day just talking about his blood clotting issues. Well, what is the latest on uh, Anderson? And is there a timeline for when we might see him in the net? Yeah, specifically he told us, he was like, no timetable at this moment, guys. But um, he's been practicing every day ever since last week. He's been practicing on the ice every day, extended length of practices. Like he was, it was funny. It was the one game he was in the starters crease and we all were like, oh, oh my goodness, is this the day? And it was just, the Canes came and told us, like he just wanted more reps, extra work. And so he's getting closer and closer and closer. There's no timetable that's been given to us by either Rod Brennamore or Freddie Anderson. But like you said, every day that he practices and that he's continuously getting better and better, feeling more comfortable is a step in the right direction. And I, wouldn't be surprised if maybe early March we could even see him at the rate he's going. Mm. Speaking of early March, that's the trade deadline. And we really haven't talked a lot about Carolina and the trade deadline. Maybe because, I mean, they were pretty well set coming into the season. But what do you think will happen? Like, what's, what's the sort of, like, buzz right now in Carolina about what Don Waddell may or may not do at the deadline? It's always hard to kind of get a read on Don Waddell because a lot of the a lot of the talk is we like our team and you know that's a lot of Carolina's philosophy. They believe that you build your team in the off season for the season. They don't as much like growing after the rentals or the trade deadline grabs. They'll love, they'll you know I'd expect them to maybe a top nine forward a forward on a you know non contending team that Carolina is I that think that he can play a bigger role maybe in the system. I would have said a seventh defenseman, but, you know, with Jalen Chadfield being sidelined a couple games, Brett Pesci was sick a little couple games before that. Tony D'Angelo was come back in and played really, really strong minutes for Carolina, which might make them kind of see him as the potential option of the seventh defenseman. Um, a lot of people have talked about goaltending, but with Carolina having about to have four goaltenders, I don't think that's a move that they're going to be making. But 
again, it's it's hard to say. They've been on in on deals a lot of the time out of the blue, you know, like the Vincent Trocek Brady Shea deals from way back twenty twenty kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody really saw those ones coming. I also think back to, you know, they were in on Matthew Kachuk right up until the end. They've all these deals that they're they're always in on deals, and it's hard to say when is the guy they're going to push it all in for. And it's, but if I were to put like money down on anything, I'd probably say just a supplementary top nine, middle six forward, kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Well, one guy they're going to have that they didn't have at last year's playoffs is Andrei Svechnikov. And, you know, I remember covering the Hurricanes against the Capitals when Svechnikov dropped the gloves against Alex Ovechkin. Maybe not want to do that again. (laughs) Uh, But it just kind of goes to show what kind of player he is. Like, this guy is a scorer, but he's also not afraid to get his hands dirty um, if need be. What do you think the impact of having Svech is going to be this year in the postseason? Uh, if they can have a healthy Svechnikov, it, it's going to make a world of difference for Carolina because, like you said, he's a scorer most and for, first and foremost, but he's also just – the kid is huge. I mean, he is yeah. the most fit player on the Hurricanes. They do a they do a, they call it the C5 fitness test before the season starts. And Svechnikov, while rehabbing that ACL he tore, still won it for his second straight year in a row. Wow. I mean, this kid is an absolute freak of nature when it comes to fitness. I mean, he will throw players around. He can create separation. And he's a legitimate threat. Like so, on the power play, guys have to shadow him. He's a he's a shooting threat in that circle. It opens up so much ice for everyone else. You know, Sebastian Ajo all of a sudden can do more while Svechnikov's on the ice because who are you going to pick? You know, pick your poison. So Svechnikov just adds such another element that the Hurricanes are lacking. They don't have as much of that big super power forward that can also you know rip a shot. Right on. Okay, now let's get down to the most important <laughs> thing here. Um, I said I, I thought this might happen last year. What I called the All Barbecue Stanley Cup Final, Carolina versus Dallas. Okay. Uh, I still think it could happen this year. I know they're not necessarily the favorite favorites, but I think it could be, you know, brisket versus pulled pork. Ryan, I want to know about Carolina tailgating because it's legendary. I haven't been able to experience it myself in person. What can you tell us about the Hurricanes tailgating scene and specifically the barbecue? at this tailgating i mean the tailgaters are the fans are passionate i mean you know you hear all about you know back in the nine-year playoff drought nobody wants to see a a poor performing team or a team that doesn't have investment into it but when you know when things are going well these fans are engaged and they're there you know 10 a.m gates open up and you got trucks pulling up you got grills you got whole pigs being roasted you got bojangles (laughs) caterer you mean you you have everything. These guys, people love to tell because it's it just, it's a feel good party. You know, guy, P, the fans just love to come celebrate the team and hang out with each other. There's a very family feeling in like the room. I think stemming, you have a head coach who, you know, won the cup with the team. It's, it's got such a, this legacy feeling and it's very familial feeling in the fan base. So you get that through the tailgating, you know, people come up you share the experiences. So many fans will, you know, kind of move around, go to different areas of the tailgate. I know a couple of years, Martin Oak would be a player who would kind of come early and, gonna go and see the tailgate for himself during the playoffs and kind of join players and i just think it's always just a fun thing it's just a fun atmosphere and it's very familial very very happy jovial kind of and it's it's like you said a big big kind of marker for carolina hurricanes hockey excellent all right i got faith in the carolina hurricanes now ryan there you go and speaking of faith uh our next segment we're going to the faithometer that's right coming up after the break thank you so much ryan henkel uh hockey news pregame show stick with us
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hockey News pregame show. And, Mike, I got a new little segment for you. I call it the Faith-O-Meter. Love it. And, uh, basically, uh, there's a lot of bubble teams right now. And we still got ways to go. But, if you're a fan of many franchises, I'm sure there's a little consternation right now that your team is not locked in yet in a playoff spot with the trade deadline coming. So, on a scale of 1 to 10... 10 being mortal luck to make the playoffs, one being Columbus Blue Jackets, or I guess San Jose Sharks would be more <laughs> accurate. How much faith do you have in the following teams to make the playoffs as we sit and breathe here right now? And I will start off with the New Jersey Devils. How much faith, on a scale of 1 to 10, do you have in the Devils right now? I'm going to go with a solid seven on the Devils. Mm. I have a lot of faith that they're going to make the playoffs. I don't have a lot of faith right now that Lindy Ruff is going to be the head coach for the entire season. Really? Yeah. When Lindy Ruff came out and said that the media pressure is affecting the team, Uh alarm bells for me. (laughs) Like, that is not what you want to hear out of the head coach. Uh Um, The fans should not be affecting the team. Yeah. Um, If there's pressure, it's because the Devils were so good last year and they made a lot of great off-season moves, and they shouldn't even be better this year. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're, like you mentioned, treading water, and there's a number of reasons why. Obviously, goaltending help could help them. Yep. Um, so even if they don't get a goaltender, I still have a lot of faith that they're going to make it. Mm. I'm going to go a five on this one. Ooh, and I'm feeling too I, strong. I really liked the Devils coming into the season, but you're right, the goaltending woes have been really tough. They're, they're in a tricky division, and it just feels like they're running out of real estate. Yeah. You know, like, again, that game against the Rangers the other night, that to me is a must-win if you're in New Jersey. Like, you got to beat the better teams because you just need as many points as possible because it is such a competitive division. Uh, sticking with the Metro, the Washington Capitals, how much faith do you have in them to make the playoffs? So, the, less than five, I'm going to say four. Mm. Maybe a three and a half even. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not a playoff team in my mind, I think. Heading into the trade deadline, whether it's a Mantha or someone of that uh, ilk, they, they need to start thinking next year um, and forget about this year's plans. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll go four as well uh, because the TJ Oshie injury. Good point. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Right, and it does kind of feel like I, I agree with you, where they could pull the shoot. And they could, you know, continue to give ice time to your Connor McMichaels and Alexi Protuses. You know, those young guys where they're starting to get things together. And it's like, okay, that's good. Nurture that. Yeah. You know, and it's like if that means that some of the veterans get either dealt or just, you know, get a bit more rest and you do take a step back, I think that's okay. And again, you know, it's the Ovechkin goals race. You've got your cup already. That can be the priority. So if it's just people teeing up Ovechkin for goals in the second half, and you're still losing 5-3, it's not the worst thing in the world, no, in like my a, mind at a, least. A one-year retool, uh, I could come up with a list of teams that are just in dire need of that. 
Yeah. Where forget about blowing things up. Just a one year. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Get a couple draft picks or prospects and let's go that way. Mm. All right. Uh, next, we're going to toss this one in here. Calgary. Ooh. Calgary. We've been talking about them. The trade rumor mill forever. They've already dealt Elias Lindholm. Um, how much faith do you have in Calgary to make the playoffs? That they're going to make the playoffs? Yeah. I'm going to almost put them in the San Jose uh, one category Ooh, there. Okay. I'm not feeling it. No way. Um, this Calgary Flames team is going to look dramatically different in a couple weeks. Right. So unless they kind of catch fire. And even if they do, like we just mentioned, Washington – or sorry – LA is probably locked in as your number one wildcard seed. So what is Calgary's looking at? What the second wildcard seed? Basically, yeah. You're, so you're battling what? Seattle, St. Nashville, Louis, St. Louis, Minnesota. No, not not a chance for me. No, for you. I'll go three on that, just because stranger things have happened, and you never know if they get like a weird bump. Uh, but I agree, it's mostly going to be trade deadline attrition for them. Uh, heading back out east, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Ooh. One out of t- one to ten. Okay, so Kyle Dubas said basically like the next couple games are going to depend determine whether this team is a playoff team or not. Um, oh, jeez, I'm going to say five. I yeah. just I, it could go either way. Like if they hang on to Gensel, then they might be one of those teams that you could say like yeah they edge it, they get the play uh, the spot ahead of New Jersey. Mm. If they trade Gensel and they get like an injury to a Malkin or something, then they're done. Yeah. Um, and like the goaltending's just so bad, too. Yeah, I'm going to go four on this because it's really looking like the wild card spots in the East are both going to go to the Atlantic. Right now, at least. True. Yeah, so that's, that would be my concern there. Uh, heading back out west, Nashville. How much faith do you have in the Predators to snag what we're thinking might be that, that one wild card spot? I'm going to say a six. Mm. They got the goaltending that can kind of carry them through the day. They also have some veterans there that just, you know, they find a way to get into the playoffs, whether it's like a Ryan O'Reilly or a Luke Shen. Mm. Um, and they got some talent still there up, up front. So, yeah, um, you know, that second wild card spot, I could see Nashville grabbing it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say, yeah, a, a six, almost bordering on a seven. Mm. Okay, I'm going to go a... Uh, a five, maybe bordering on a six, because, yeah, yeah that whole amorphous blob in the central <laughs> could go different. It could be St. Louis. It could be Minnesota. It's really going to come down to, like, which team catches fire down the stretch run. So it could be Nashville. Yeah, those, like, good. ten, like, St. Louis was just on a heater, and then, yep. you know, all it takes is just, like, two weeks of hot hockey, and you're like, okay, well, they got the spot locked up. Right. Yeah, there you go. Sticking in the West, the Seattle Kraken, the darlings of last season's playoff bracket. Uh, but things tougher in their third year. One to ten, how much faith do you have in the Kraken? Uh, I'm going to go again with like a, like something around like a four, mm. uh, five at a best. I just don't like the way the Kraken played this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a lot of pieces. and we talk, or you, you were talking with Glenn Dreyfus, our Kraken site editor, and you know, there's a lot going on with Matty Beneers that I wasn't aware of, but, mm. you know, their future is not, they got a bright future, it's just not right now. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go as low as two. That low, okay. Yeah, just because, it, again, talking to Glenn, it felt like Ron Francis is going to kind of stick with his guys. Yeah. So it's like, well, status quo is not going to do it. 
because it hasn't done it all season, so I don't know why you would think of a change now. So that would be the concern for me. Uh, and even if they trade guys, then obviously they're going to have young guys auditioning, and that's not like conducive to winning necessarily. I was so. going to say, like, not the worst thing that happened to them, but like one of the things that kind of like skewed things for fans is that they were a playoff team last year and that they went to the second round. It's yeah. like, that should not have happened. Right, right. All right, real quickly, last one. The Detroit Red Wings uh, currently in a wild card spot. Uh, how do you feel about the Wings? So it's probably going to come down to the Wings or Lightning. Maybe. I have more faith in the Lightning. Mm. Thus, you know, Detroit's probably not a team. Although, did you see that game against Colorado in that overtime? Yep. That, that was Patrick Kane at his best. Yep. And if Patrick Kane can kind of bottle up that kind of game yeah. and just continue it, I'd have a lot more faith. But right now, they're sort of on the fence. So where am I thinking? I'm probably, let's say, six or seven. Uh-huh. Uh, but a lot's going to be dependent on how the teams around them play. Yeah. I'm going to go eight. Wow. My highest. You love that game against Colorado. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. I just think they're in a good spot, and uh, they've got everything they need pretty much. So I think, like I say, I think both those spots are going to go to the Atlantic, uh, and I think Detroit's in a good spot. So it's rapid fire o'clock. That's what time it is. Yep. Producer Connor, you got some questions for us. I do. All right. First one, we, never, we didn't talk about the Leafs. We have to talk about the Leafs. Do you ever see John Tavares being a top two center on the Leafs again? I mean, I could see it. You know, right now they have Max Domi in that spot and things are going really well. I, I could definitely see it bouncing back and forth, but I would say that if John Tavares is your third line shutdown center, mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing, especially come playoff time. If you're playing the matchup game, especially at home, if that's the rule, if that's the role that's more conducive to him at this age, I say go for it. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, we're talking about a guy who's, what, 33, 34 years old. He's making $11 million, so that, that's the fear. You drop him down to the third line, you're going, right. why are you paying $11 million to a third-line player? Yeah. That being said, um, defensively, Tavares is not having a great season. That's why he's not on the second line right now. They've dropped him to the third line with Bobby McMahon and Nick Robertson. I still think that Tavares is a top-six forward. Mm but I think he's more suited on the wing. So uh, I can see a scenario where it's Domi with Nylander and Tavares as a second line. Interesting. All right. In the Emil Bemstrom trade mm-hmm. to Pittsburgh that involved Alex Nylander in a conditional sixth-round pick, the conditions on that pick were that if Bemstrom scored six goals before the end of the season, it would become a 2026 third-rounder. So my question is, have you ever seen conditions that weird before? This was a weird trade in general when you, because Alex Nylander has not really been able to sustain himself as an NHLer, so it kind of felt like Columbus was just like, eh, whatever. If you want Benstrom, just take him. Yeah. Like, a lot of that teams have been league. trying to get Nylander to be the the guy they think he was going to be. Yeah, and they have not been successful. No, the six goals are so specific. Uh, and it also, again, seems like a dare from Columbus. It's like, if you can get six <laughs> goals out of Emil Benstrom in the second half, more power to you. The one that we've seen more frequently is, you know, if a guy plays X amount of 
games in the playoffs and 50% of the games in the final, then that third becomes a first, things like that. The goal one, that's, it's interesting. Yeah, I would love for Bemstrom just to kind of, you know, find his way onto Sidney Crosby's line and mm. all of a sudden score six goals and be the reason why the Penguins make the playoffs. It ain't going to happen, though. Right. Um, this was such a nothing trade in my mind. Really kind of setting the, maybe the table for something to come. But yeah, six goals? What, what, are, they, what are we talking about here? Mm. It's very, very odd. Uh, sticking in Pittsburgh, Mike Sullivan got another vote of confidence from Kyle Dubas this week. Yes or no, should he be on the hot seat? I say no. He's proven himself to be a very good coach. He can only do so much with the roster he's been given, which is a very aging one at this point. The pipeline's been non-existent for years, so it's not like he's got young players that he can nurture at this point. So unless Pittsburgh sells off, you know, they're just going to be what they are. But I don't think Mike Sullivan, um, you know, getting rid of him is not going to improve the team. Yeah, so, okay, so you're stuck with the core. Yep. Um, according to Kyle Dubas, he's tried to make trades, and there's been no bites. And then you're stuck with the head coach. What do you do in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Like, I, I, I get it. You can't move on from Mike Sullivan because he's won back-to-back cups, and, you know, the players love him, and he's just been a staple there. But what do you do if you're Kyle Dubas? Like, you can't trade, you can't move the core, and now you can't move the head coach. So where is Pittsburgh? There almost seems to be like they're just in that middle of nowhere kind of route. Yeah, I feel that's where they've been for years now is like, you know, maybe some of the names have changed. They bring in Eric Carlson, that was splashy and whatnot. But it just feels like they're a mid-tier team that can't be too bad because they have Crosby and Malkin, but they're not good enough to be actual contenders. So I don't it's, know. it's a bad spot for me. Well, you bring in Dubas. Rattle the cage a bit. Um, if that means Sullivan's gone, then and you want to make the playoffs, then sure, let's do it. I almost feel like the only, if you fire Sullivan, like the only thing you could do is get worse and get a better draft slot. But you're not going to get infinitely better. At least that's some movement. It is something. <laughs> this has been a very Pittsburgh-heavy episode, and it's mm. going to continue that way. I love because it. Because Sidney Crosby has been in the news lately. What does his next contract look like? And... If he leaves Pittsburgh, mm. what team do you see him going to? That's a fun one. If he's, if he's sticking around, I mean, it's tough because it is. I mean, the cap's going up. I kind of feel like you go like three years and maybe you keep it at, uh, like, is it insulting to go 8.7 again? I don't know. He's like one of the best players of all time. He, he spent 12 years getting 8.7, which yeah. is just a total discount for the Penguins. So it I think is. that. If he wants to stay in Pittsburgh, he might have to take a discount. Mm. But let's throw out some interesting teams out there. Because I, yes. I forget about the dollar figure. I just want to see where he's going to go. And right. my number one choice, let's put him in Washington. Let's have him assist on Alex Ovechkin's you know, record-breaking goal when he finally passes Gretzky. Mm. How great would that be? That'd the be two amazing. faces of the league that saved the NHL coming after that walk-in. Yeah. The other one... Uh, that we talked about before, and it's Colorado because he could team up with his boy Nate Dog, Nate McKinnon. They've been friends for years. They train in the summer, and not that Colorado needs more help to become a Stanley Cup contender, but that would be very fun. And did he play with Parise and Shaddix, or no? Am I thinking someone else? Parise gave Crosby his school tour at Shaddix. Okay. I don't know if they were ever teammates, but they knew each other at least part of the way. Okay, yeah. One tour. more. We got one time for one more. Guy. One more. Core fours. 
big conversation lately. Which NHL team has the best one? Yeah, I'm going to go Edmonton on this. We were talking about this again earlier. McDavid, Drysaddle. I would go Evan Bouchard and Zach Hyman. You were mentioning you got to get some guy to do the dirty work and score. Okay, I'm going to go Colorado real quick. Uh, McKinnon. Uh, McCarr, Rantanen, and Devontae's my other guy. Nice. Listen, this is the Hockey News pregame show. Uh, thank you to BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com. For Ryan Kennedy, I'm Michael Trakos. See you next time at the rink.